Three, two, one. That's right. You're listening to the It's My Time podcast, a recording of the experiences, past and present of everyday people. Yes, indeed. Yes, and, 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 and now, here's your host, you know who it is, the one, the only, Asher Chua. Hey, welcome to the podcast, YB. Long time. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here, my friend. Thank you for the opportunity and uh, looking forward to us having a great time today. For for anyone who doesn't know you, who do you say you are? Man, I'm a connector. You know, the first thing that people know about me is that I'm a connector. In many circles, I'm known as the LinkedIn locksmith because of my ability to unlock the power of LinkedIn for my clients uh, who consist of business owners, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and sales professionals who want to enhance their network and net worth using LinkedIn. That's what's up. And it's funny uh, thinking about how I, I met you, but actually being able to sit down and have a conversation with you, I, I think to the the originals of uh, Breathe University connection with Eric Thomas, you got Patrick Pete, Shelly Shelton, now yourself. And um, it's an honor. Well, you know, uh, Breathe University uh, was a launching pad for, for several of us. And uh, to see... Uh, people grow from that. It 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 lets us know that the promise that Breathe You promoted uh, came into fulfillment. You know, uh, you know, ET has always been about collaboration. Uh, he's always been about personal and professional development, business development, and those who were able to dig deep and and grab the the principles and apply the principles, they're they're getting the benefits of that. And so. You know, some 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 jumped out faster than others, and some like myself, it, it take a little bit, right? But yeah, yeah. The reality is that um, the principles of success that that E and CJ and 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 all of those folks uh, uh, taught us, you know, they they they're allowing it to manifest today, and I'm just grateful for the opportunity to to stay connected. I mean, you think about it. I came into the Breathe You community in 2016, mm. right? We're now in 2023. Yeah. And how Breathe You uh, has has morphed right into a mm-hmm. different community. Uh, the people that were in, uh, in that in that community initially, we made a decision to remain connected, uh, whether we're still a part of the uh, coaching community or not. It's just that those relationships transcended the uh, the community. And this is one of them. Yeah, for sure. And. I guess not to skip over them because we're really here to highlight you, but of course we can't forget Rochelle T. Parks and you've got um, Carla uh, Brodno, mm-hmm. Ogotree, Marshall and Fox, and Marshall Fox, so many. You've got uh, so many. I mean, so many, so many people that yeah. uh, that 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 are like shining, you know, and, and so many more to more to name, you know. Yeah. So many, I mean, uh, you talk about uh, Pierre yeah. Evans, right? So like yeah. Pierre. Yeah. When I when I first got introduced to ET and watched the videos on YouTube, uh, at the end of the video they would have a testimonial, and I remember always seeing that video of Pierre, and I said, mm-hmm. you know what, if this guy could do it, I know I could do it, and mm-hmm. to be able to not only meet him but befriend him and to host him in Richmond, he even stayed at my home, mm-hmm. uh, and, and re- as of recent was helping my wife. Uh, to to acquire a new vehicle because his background is car sales. I mean, yeah. we 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 were not just uh, you know in a community. We became family, and uh, that's that's the most important thing uh, for me. Right, right. And you're and you're not promoting the next fast 
Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> That's for real, oh, for real. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Like, listen, uh, any of those things, like, it, it's funny. Uh, my new my new promotion outside of my business is a show that comes on Netflix called Suits, hmm. right? For those of you, you know, who are listening that don't know about Suits, you should definitely go check out uh, uh, Netflix. But uh, Suits is a show about a guy who uh, gets hired as an attorney but doesn't have uh, credentials, right? That's all I'm going to say. But but it's it's like several uh, adventures that build out as a result of that. And I would say the reason why I like the show, number one, is because the the, the gentlemen they dress up, right? Mm-hmm. That's why they call the suits, right? They, they you know they're, they're lawyers, they dress up. And I come from a I come from a background where I grew up going to Catholic school, mm-hmm. and you know we would have to wear a shirt and tie and sweaters and suits and things of that nature. Uh, and at first I hated it, but when I graduated from high school, I started to love it because it, it allowed me to stand out. And mm-hmm. so, you know, the, the fact that these men are just dressed sharp to the nines uh, is impressive, but also just how they communicate with one another, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what I've noticed, you know, being an African-American male, you know, we communicate differently than our counterparts. Mm-hmm. So so watching the show, even though it's a, a fictitious show, it it gives some highlights on how on human behavior and how people interact and how people communicate, which is helpful for me as I continue to enter into different circles and identify ways to add value to those business owners, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and sales professionals. Yeah. That's what's up. And something I, I gathered from you and from Pierre is just the way you're able to observe people and pull out those those principles and be like, okay, how can I apply this? But take take me back, if you would. How how did you get started? Kind of like, where did you grow up? Um, what was your childhood like kind of growing up before you became like YB Connect? Yeah, absolutely. I love telling that that part of my story. So I, I'm a native of the Bronx, New York. I grew up in a single parent home. My mother and I uh, were, you know, we rocked real hard together uh, uh, because my father was actually murdered when I was two. And when I say that, I don't say that to get any sympathy, but to make people aware that if you are listening and you grew up with adversity or you grew up with trauma, there's an opportunity for you to overcome that adversity and to overcome that trauma. Uh, you know, when people say, man, that's that's terrible. Your father died. You know, I said, well, I could have been a totally different person if he were if he were alive. Mm-hmm. But his spirit, his entrepreneurial spirit uh, somehow got to me through my mom. Uh, my father was a was a street pharmacist, if you if you know what I mean. And so, you know, while I never went in that direction, I did sell uh, 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 dietary supplements. Right. So that's the closest I got to to some type of uh, 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 substance. Right. But, mm-hmm. you know, as a result of growing up without my father, I, I had this a hole in my soul. Right. I, I felt like, you know, when I would look in the mirror, I couldn't really see myself. You know, that that lack of identity, that lack of connection. You know, while I had a connection to his side of the family, I really didn't know who he were he was. And and therefore there was a part of me that I did not know. But thank God my mom put me in environments where other strong men uh, stood in the gap. Uh they 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 were able to mentor me and coach me and, and help me along the way uh to become the man that I am today. And so I used that, those examples to empower, inspire, and impact people. Uh, I transitioned from uh, Bronx, New York in 1996 to go to Virginia Union University, uh, mm-hmm. where I uh, earned a degree in business administration. My concentration was in finance and economics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do nothing with those with that degree <laughs> at all, uh, other than uh, focus on generating 
uh, uh, finances for my business and working on my economy, right? Right. Uh, however, I did gain great amounts of assets while I was in school. As a matter of fact, there were three assets that I was able to accumulate in my eight-year journey. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, it took me eight years to finish a four-year degree, and I didn't really, I didn't leave out there with a master's. Right, but um, but there were three assets that I was able to obtain while going to school. The first one was my personal relationships. You know, you asked me about, you know, how did I become YB or what happened before I came, became YB Connects? Well, when I, my first semester in college, this is August of, of 1996, uh, like we're, we're approaching, you know, almost 27, 28 years, right? Uh, I met a young lady from Lynchburg, Virginia. Her name was Tabitha. Mm-hmm. And when I introduced myself, she didn't believe that my last name was Youngblood. Mm. <laughs> you know, uh, right. she, she literally carded me. Right. She's like, no, I don't believe your last name is Youngblood. Uh, let me see your ID. So I showed her my ID. She still didn't believe me. So she decided that she was going to alter my life and alter my future uh, by calling me YB. She was the very first person to call me YB. And so, you know, my 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 new image developed uh, freshman year of college and I went on and you know, grew and developed, but those personal relationships was a tremendous asset because those those relationships opened up the door for me and allowed for me to open up doors for others. So that was the first asset. The second asset was my personal growth. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I grew up once again without my father, but I was able to build relationships with other people that allowed me to be different from the first day I started on campus to the last day that I wrapped up on campus. And so those personal moments, those moments of growth allow for me to learn how best to treat people, how best to relate to people and how best to empower people. So this, the second asset was personal development. And then third mm-hmm. was uh, was was professional development, right? Was mm-hmm. the opportunity to get involved in organizations like Inroads, which yeah. enhanced my uh, community and corporate leadership and, and my ability to communicate, you know, get getting involved in my fraternity, Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity, the greatest fraternity in the world, uh, to be able to meet and network with other professionals and, and you know, focus on service and, and to be active with my alumni association. So all of those pieces, all of those, all of those uh, experiences helped to develop me as a professional and allow for me to attract opportunities beyond undergraduate school. So I, I talk about those three assets and how they've applied to me and while most people chase after money, I focus on those three assets and uh, it has helped me uh, to become the person that I am today. I like that. I, I love how you you gave me those three things because that's that's something I can come back to easily. And how, why did you decide on Virginia, like moving from New York to go to college in Virginia? Yeah, that was that was by accident. I, I that you know that wasn't in the plans for me. I, as a matter of fact, I didn't know what the plans were. I, my, I was I was first generation college student. You know, my mm-hmm. mom didn't go to college, my father didn't go to college, my grandparents didn't go to college. So so I was first generation. But thank God for the men of Omega Psi Phi fraternity, uh, who out of uh, out of Harlem, who put together a phenomenal black college tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had been doing it for years prior to the year that I went in 1996. Yeah. And uh, and in 1996, we visited 11 schools in seven days. 
Uh, we started in Greensboro. We worked all the, our way all the way up through North Carolina, Virginia, and wrapped up in Maryland at uh, Morgan State University. But when we got to Virginia Union, which was like midway through the week, mm -hmm. uh, we had an opportunity to listen to the presentation done by the administration, uh, excuse me, not, not the administration, but the admissions team. Mm -hmm. And I was half asleep. You know, we were tired, man. You know, we were doing all this walking. We we dressed up in suits, man. Right. We were tired. But the moment, the moment uh, Rudy Randall, I still remember his name. But the, the moment Rudy Rudolph Randall mentioned the requirements for the presidential scholarship, I woke up. Hmm. Uh, he said that all you needed was a thousand on the SATs and a and an eighty nine grade point average. Well, I had a ten fifty. Hmm. So I'm like, I'm halfway there. Yeah. My GPA was like an 86, 86.5 or something like that. So I still, still had some sell, some more selling to do. My Actually, my sales career started at that moment because I began to follow up and, and ask them, what would it take for me to become a presidential scholar? I mean, I knew what it would take, but I, I wanted to let them know that yeah. I was interested in being a presidential scholar. And so, you know, uh, several weeks went by after that pour. This was February of 96. Several weeks went by and I received two letters in the mail. One was my acceptance into Virginia Union. The second was that I was awarded the presidential scholarship at Virginia Union University, which covered all expenses, which was a tremendous blessing because my mom, you know, saved up a few dollars, but didn't really have yeah. the money for me to go to school. And so that altered my decision to uh, transition from Bronx, New York to, to Richmond, Virginia. Like I said, I didn't even have uh, uh, Virginia Union on my on my radar. I didn't even know Virginia Union existed. Mm -hmm. uh, the HBCUs I knew about was was Morehouse and Spelman because I watched Boys in the Hood and 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 Trey went to Morehouse and his girlfriend went to Spelman right so that's a, that's only that's, I mean I may have knew about Howard but but I knew about Morehouse and I knew about I knew about Spelman so thank yeah. God for that college tour because had it not been for that experience you know I may have I may have remained home um, I did get accepted to a college in in Rhode Island called Providence uh, Providence College. Mm -hmm. uh, they awarded me a $7,500 uh, scholarship, Martin Luther King scholarship. And I was like, well, what's, what's $7,500 going to do if the mm -hmm. bill is 25,000, right? It's like, that's like, that's like giving a, that's like giving a whale a Tic Tac, right? It's like, you know, what's that going to do? But, right. but I thank God for the opportunity and uh, received that award and uh, my life was changed from there. That's awesome, man. And like you mentioned, like me personally, before high school or even before college, I didn't really know what HBCUs were because I, I grew up a foreigner coming to America and kind of trying to figure out life in the U.S. And for me, like when I was introduced to it at our career fair, I think they had it at the high school kind of bringing in colleges and, and they're like, oh, hey, this is what's going on. It's like I grew up being hated on so much to where like I'm a little bit younger, like 96, I was six years old, but graduating 2008, looking at 2007, what, what colleges am I going to go to then? I was like, one. there was one HBCU school that came. I forget what the school was called, but you just get picked on so bad where everybody's just like, oh, it's not cool to be African then. But now everybody wants to be African and Wakanda and this, mm -hmm. that. And it's like, it's all love. It's all love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at that point, I, I was just a hurt little boy that was just like, I, I don't know. It's like I went through elementary school, middle school, high school. And now I see it's like hurt people. They don't intend to hurt you, but it's like you kind of like that vitriol comes out. But I, but I say all that to say like 
being introduced to the fraternity back when you were still in high school and having that be an opportunity for you to actually have a pathway to college, seeing that no one before was in your life that had did did that. Like, what did that mean to you? Like having men in your life, given that your father was taken away at an early age, and now you yeah. have your mom intentionally putting you in these environments that are positive. And you talk about growing up in Harlem, in the Bronx, and people may look at it being gentrified now, or people may, may look at it like in the 80s, where it's like, I've heard stories, but I haven't personally lived it, but you lived it. You came a product of that and you've been able to impact so many more people based on the things that were put in you. So what was it about that exposure to the fraternity that led you to college and the men in your life that kind of brought you to that point and that has sustained you since then for the yeah, greatest fraternity yeah. ever? Yeah, I would say, well, the first the first exposure to fraternity, right, or brotherhood was mm -hmm. the uh, Boy Scouts of America. My mom mm -hmm. put me into scouting. I was a Cub Scout, uh, worked my way up through, 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 the, through the Cub Scout ranks and then transitioned nice. to the Boy Scouts and uh, worked my way up to to star rank. And then I got I got hit with the fumes. Right. I got hit with the fumes. So some what, people what you mean? In, some people say perfume. Right. With the girls and then the car fumes. Right. But but here's what's funny. I didn't have either. Well, I did have perfume. Like I had girls, but mm -hmm. but I was more focused on you know just like personal and professional growth, right? So gotcha. I ended up leaving scouting because I didn't have my eyes on the ball. Mm -hmm. uh, I was distracted. I got I got hit with the shiny ball syndrome and and didn't finish what I started. So that but gotcha. that was the first that was the first fraternity. And I often reference one of my uh, scout leaders. His name was Edwin Edward Lehman. And Edward Lehman was a Jewish gentleman that lived in, in Riverdale, which is on the other side of the Bronx. It was more of an affluent neighborhood in the Bronx. It was still in the Bronx, but it was a different world from 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 where I grew up because I grew up in the South Bronx, not too far from Yankee Stadium in a place called Highbridge. Mm -hmm. And so Edward Lehman and his wife were, were instrumental in helping to develop us. Matter of fact, uh, Mrs. Lehman, his wife, she worked at the school. She was a math teacher. I remember mm -hmm. she would always give us popcorn um, whenever we would come to her class. And but if we acted up, she would take her hand and twist our ear and, mm -hmm. and pull us close to her. That's back when teachers could lay hands on students. Right now, <laughs> you, you lay hands on students. It's a wrap. Right. But um, but but that was the first that was the first introduction to fraternity and, and those values. As a matter of fact, I still live by the scout law. Right. The scout is trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly. Mm -hmm courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent, right? So I still live yeah. by that. Right? I still live by the oath, right? Of a, yeah. a, a, on my honor, I would do my best to do my duty to God and my country and to obey the scout law, to help other people at all times, to keep myself physically strong, mentally awake, and morally straight, right? So those were values that were poured into me as if my father would have poured values in me. And so, you know, they, and there's, there's values. We're all going to learn values, right? Some right. values are going to lead to positive outcomes and some values are going to lead to negative outcomes. But at the end of the day, we're all going to be exposed to values. And so it was a connection. And I don't recall how my mom learned about the, the Black College Tour, but we were able to attract that opportunity. And, and a lot of it comes through relationships. You know, I tell people all the time now, you're one connection away from your next opportunity, whether it's a new job, whether it's a new relationship, whether it's, you know, personal growth or professional development, you're one connection away from your next opportunity. And so I was one connection away from learning about 
the Black College Tour that the Amino Omega Sapphire put together. And so as a result of that exposure, not only did we go to the to the tour, but we were given weekly outlets to learn how to grow personally in preparation for college life. And and while I did not uh pledge that fraternity, right? Because they were they were no they were not visible on my yard. Mm-hmm. I did I did befriend a gentleman. Matter of fact, the very first gentleman that I met, the very first student that I met when I got on the campus of Virginia Union, he was an alpha. And mm-hmm. and he was actually the president of the Student Government Association. And I remember him telling me when I met him, you know, he was looking through the box to find my folder. He couldn't find my folder, looked in another box, found my folder, and then it said that I was a presidential scholar. So I was literally able to uh, go past go mm-hmm. and collect my 200 bucks, right? For those of you who played <laughs> Monopoly, right? So I didn't have to stand on these lines. Mm-hmm. I just went straight to the end, got my items, and was able to move into my dormitory. And so that was my first exposure to fraternity. However, mm-hmm. uh, I was not interested in becoming a member of a fraternity because I watched a movie called School Days. <laughs> and I will encourage you all to watch School Days. Uh, it's an old school classic uh, that was, uh, well, it's an old school classic. Go watch that movie. Yeah. Uh, I said, I watched School Days. I saw how they got down with the fraternity and I was not interested. But one connection, once again, one connection influenced my decision. As a matter of fact, the young, it was a young man who was on that same black college tour with me. Mm-hmm. His name is Andre Hudson. As a matter of fact, his name is Dr. Andre Hudson, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Andre Hudson uh, was the quietest dude on the tour. He didn't talk to anybody, right? right? When he came on campus, he started to blossom, start to grow. But in the spring of 1998, this scrawny little dude that's like a buck 38 soaking wet, he completed uh, a process that was just the, you know, he was the king of the hill, right? Mm-hmm. And when he finished his uh, his his show, his probate show, uh, he approached me, he put his uh, fist in my chest, not hard, he didn't like cave my chest and he just mm-hmm. put his fist in my chest and he asked me, are you next? And I was like, I guess so, right? Because mm-hmm. I looked at him and I looked at the guys at the fraternity, I said, hold up, this is cool. If this cat could do it, I know I could do it. Mm-hmm. And that began my journey. And in the spring of 2000, I became a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity. Man, that's awesome. And when you brought up the uh, the Boy Scout, I guess, what would you call it, creed? Uh, it's the law, is the Scout Law and the Scout Oath. The Scout Law and the Scout Oath. I, I don't think I've heard that since middle school because I, I also joined Boy Scouts. And I think at some point, either late middle school or high school, I just couldn't keep going because I, I couldn't get there consistently. Right. But right. it's one of those things that definitely sticks out and good experiences really stand out. I know it's easy to remember the, the bad experiences, but like mm-hmm. the significant experiences that make an impact in your life or, or something like when you just you have a, a sense of it, you hear a word from it. It's like, wow, that, that did happen. Like I did get something good from that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, and I, and, and, it, and it comes from reflection. Mm. I, I think about experiences whenever I travel, when I'm just sitting home or I may watch something or read something, a flash may come back to me, a memory may come back to me. Mm. And, and because I'm in the space that I'm in and because I actually worked for the Boy Scouts of America, the local council in, in, in Richmond, those mm-hmm. memories remain um, at the top of my mind, right? And so as right. a speaker, you know, whenever I'm coming in to either talk to young people or to uh, 
you know, leaders, you know, I bring those, I bring those, those memories back, right? Because as you can tell, you know, as most people can hear uh, in me speaking, I, I, I lead with stories, you know, that those, that's what I was taught, you know, going through the, the game changer speaker certification with ET and, and uh, uh, the business of speaking and coaching with Kendall, right? Kendall Ficklin, mm -hmm. you know, just being able to relate to people through story because, because most people don't realize this, but facts tell stories sell. And not that I'm selling myself, but I am looking to attract new relationships, new new opportunities to connect with people through your platform that would allow for me to fulfill uh, the mission that God has given me. And so as I reflect on those stories and I'm able to to maximize the moment and relive those moments, I'm able to connect to people that are like like yourself that say, mm -hmm. yeah, I remember my scouting opportunity. I remember my black college days or I remember my fraternity, my fraternity moments. You know, those things, those things I think about consistently and I have to think about it. Right. Because the yeah. ultimate is just keeping my mind on the negative. And mm -hmm. I don't want to and I don't want to think about the negative. Most people focus on the negative and they get the negative. Mm -hmm. but when I think about my experience and I think about the positive, I get more positive. And so even when adversity hits, mm -hmm. I realize what adversity actually is. Right. Adversity is an asset. You know, it's an opportunity for me to learn and grow and get to the other side so that I can not only receive a blessing, but then I can be a blessing for other people who are struggling and, and, and having a, a challenge with overcoming their own adversity. And that and for me, had I not had those gentlemen uh, in scouting, those people at church, you know, even people in my community, you know, mm -hmm. I would have been just like some of the guys that I ran with that got caught up in the streets, you know, mm -hmm. jail, drugs or death. Right. And so so I I'm, I just thank God that I, I had the ability to be in the right places at the right time to learn from the right people to make the right decisions. That's what's up. I see you got your bride over your left shoulder there. And yeah. I'm guessing it is she tied to the the first relationship or the first person that gave you that that um, your nickname? Why? No, actually, it's funny, man. She was a soft. She was a freshman when I was a sophomore. So she came to uh, Virginia Union in '97 from New Jersey. I came to I came to Union from the Bronx in '96. Mm -hmm. We actually stayed in the same dormitory. We didn't date. We were dating. Two, we were in two different circles. I often joke when I tell a story about us mm -hmm. that uh, she was in the religious crew. I was in the heathen crew. And, uh, and so, you know, we, 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 we were in the same circle. God showed me my bride before she was my bride. As a matter of fact, my sophomore year, I was dating a young lady from Minnesota and she had to transition her uh, from the room that she had to the room where my, my, my wife, Janelle, uh, mm -hmm. was staying. And so when we tell the story, I often say, and my wife says it too, uh, we do it for shock value. Right. And I tell people, yeah, I used to date my wife's roommate. And so people look at me like, oh, you dog, like, how could you do that? I said, well, first of all, right, first of all, I wasn't dating my wife at the time. So I'm not a dog because I was dating her roommate. I can see how that sounds. Right, that's, how, right. that's why I said it, because I wanted to be shock value, right? But but, but, but God, God showed me my wife before she became my wife. And so I actually ended up leaving school in 2000, at the end of 2000. Uh, I was supposed to graduate May of 2000, but I was no closer to graduating at that time than I was my sophomore year. As a matter of fact, at the end of my sophomore year, that presidential scholarship that I told you about, mm. yeah, I, had to, I ended up giving it back. Mm. I ended up giving it back. And some people, when I tell that story, they say, why the heck do you give a full ride back? Like, who does that, right? Well, I was supposed to maintain a 3.3 GPA. Mm. And at the end of my sophomore year, I got a 3.275. 
Now, like you, I know you're thinking this, and I know some people that's listening, they're thinking, they're thinking this, but they could have rounded it up. And I was like, yeah, you could have rounded it up. But they was like, no, no, no. 3.3 is a 3.3. It's not a 3.275. And I used to say they took my scholarship, but that's because I wasn't taking responsibility. Mm-hmm. Once I began to take responsibility, I would change the way that I promoted that event and say I gave the scholarship back. So that mm-hmm. that caused me to go through a bit of a spiral. Um, I had to take on student loans. I had to get. I was able. I was blessed with some other scholarships to fill the gap. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mentally, I was I was distraught, and so I wasn't really putting in the effort. I was still a social butterfly. I spent more mm-hmm. time in my, my boy Dre's room than I did in in my room or in the library doing the work that I was supposed to do. So mm-hmm. while they were advancing in their academics, I was advancing in my social skills. Yeah, right. Which which that's right. I was I was the super networker, right? Mm-hmm. And then when I got into the fraternity, it was a wrap, right? But then at the end, December seventh, two thousand. Uh, when I made the decision to withdraw from college, uh, my life changed. I transitioned back to New York, you know, live with my mom. Um, but here's the blessing. My mom and I had been beefing for about six months and we didn't talk for six months. But when I made a decision to transition to come home, I called her and she was like, come on home. Mm-hmm. And so she gave me a safe haven for me to, you know, to, for me to get my stuff together. And, yeah. um, and so when I transitioned back, at that time, because of my uh, my entry into the fraternity, I had access to a network. And uh, one of those brothers uh, reached out to me and offered me an opportunity to take a look at a business idea. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what the business idea consisted of. I just knew I wanted to connect with him. He was a legend mm-hmm. in our chapter. And so I wanted to connect with him. And so I went to his home, met his family, met his wife. I saw a speaker that was there. He had this whiteboard. And I was very curious. So I was like, OK. And I started sitting at the edge of my seat taking notes. And to make a long story short, I got introduced to the Amway business at the time. At that at that time, it was called Quickstar mm-hmm. uh, in, in 2000, uh, 2000, 2001. Mm-hmm. And that began my entrepreneurial journey. You know, as a matter of fact, my mom influenced me because she had a very uh, a, a, a terrible accident that caused her to be, retire from the uh, the phone company, but got introduced to a financial services business that prompted her to not only enhance her professional development and personal development, but she got licensed in, uh, in life and, and, uh, and health insurance. Mm-hmm. So she got into the insurance game, but she, she acquired all these different books, yeah. these personal development books. So I would just, I would, you know, I would, when I would come home during the school year, I would grab a couple books, take them with me, start reading them. And mm-hmm. it started to filter my mind. So when this opportunity came, I was ready simply because of what this gentleman said at the end of his uh, presentation. He listed eight reasons why somebody would want to be in business for themselves. And Mm -hmm. the last reason was to leave a legacy, Mm. to leave a legacy. And it hit me like a ton of bricks because remember, I grew up without my father. My father was murdered when I was two. My father had his own uh, uh, enterprise, right? Yeah. But when I turned 18, I didn't get a knock at the door with my legacy. When, right, when, right. when I turned 21, I didn't get a I didn't get a, a package in the mail with my legacy. So what that told me was that I wasn't getting anything because my dad didn't prepare for me. But it hit me like a ton of bricks because I realized this was an opportunity for me to establish and develop a legacy for my children. Hmm. Right. And so yeah. and so so I ended up going back to school uh, back in 2002 finished in 2004, had a speaking engagement for a nonprofit. And that's where I reconnected with my wife, Janelle. 
right? My gotcha. wife was on the my wife was on the committee. She was on the board for the nonprofit, and I was I was still building my Anway business, right? Matter of mm-hmm. fact, I got reintroduced to the Anway business, and I was prospecting her. Right. I use the line that most of us use in network marketing, multi-level marketing. Do you keep your options open to making more money outside of what you do? Right. <laughs> and that's another conversation for another day. But she was open. Yeah. And so we ended up meeting at her at her place of work. She worked at she works at the Federal Reserve. It was an executive lunch space and having lunch and 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 she was eating and I was not. Mm. Right. And so she asked me, you're not going to eat today? I said, no, I'm fasting right now. I wasn't fasting. The truth was I was broke. Mm-hmm. I had no money. I had, couldn't pay for no lunch. I ate the bread and I drank the water. I was broke, but I wasn't going to tell her that. I was hungry. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't just hungry from a food perspective. Like my belly was hitting my backbone. I was hungry for opportunity to make an impact so I can create legacy. Right. And so she became a part of my business world and then became a part of my life. And uh, we've been married on uh, going on 18 years uh, two beautiful daughters. My oldest daughter is uh, 15 and my youngest daughter is 13. And so I am still in the process of building that legacy. And if I die today, the impact that I've made will be transferred to my children. And so my goal is not only to have a good name, because think about where my name, my father had a decent name in certain circles, depending on what circle mm-hmm. you was in. Right. right but for right. me, my name is positive in all circles. So at least they could build on that to make something happen. But that's not enough for me. My yeah. goal is to leave a financial legacy, a legacy of 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 entrepreneurial entrepreneur, being an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. you know, developing that in that enterprise so that they could chart their own course. And um, and yeah, so that that's what I'm chasing after that legacy. It's not so much chasing after. I'm just I'm just I understand that every day I have to work mm-hmm. to build the legacy. And uh, when you know, when it's my time to go, whatever I've built at that moment, my girls have the opportunity to continue building that if they choose to. I like it. And I guess to to your point, and I'm pretty sure you've recognized this too, you're your father's legacy, just your, yeah. your being itself. And yeah. you pass that on to your daughters by bringing them, helping bring them into this world. But yeah. having something additional to that, that's financial, it adds another another tier to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, and when I when I tell his stories, you know, most of it is, like I said, it's personal mm-hmm. um, because of, of how I viewed it as I was going. But in no way, shape or form, am I looking to embarrass, you know, my my father or my father's family. I, I tell I tell I tell my story, my truth. Uh, what helped me to, to even do that was E.T. Right. When E.T. Right. came up with the secret to success, you know, his people was like, why would you put your mom under the bus like that? Right. Why mm-hmm. would you do that? When he came out with UOU, they said the same thing. Yeah. But the answer that he gave allowed for me to feel comfortable in doing what I'm doing. And that was, did it happen? Mm. Yes. Right. Is it your story? Yes. Then go tell your story. Right. No matter no matter how people feel, that's your story. Other people's story is different. Other people's situation is different. But this is my story. And right. uh, and, and, I, and I've, I've become very comfortable with telling my story. I agree. I I think you're you're a very good storyteller, and and to your point, I I like the way you're precise with your language and your words because some something that I found recently is that in trying to be more open minded or working at being more open, mm-hmm. and whether it be creative or seeing the world in a different way, or or seeing the opportunity where it may look like, man, okay. 
I fell down, hurt my arm. What do I do now? Or versus yeah. like, okay, I, I was in the process of doing something. This is a minor setback. Arms yeah. heal, like things, bones break, they they heal back. But it's like, it's not the end of the world. Like a small moment in time doesn't yeah. have to be months, years, and so on and so forth. And to your point, it's one thing that I, I've started to seek out is actually a YouTube channel that was called, that's called Film Courage. And they have different people that go on there and they explain how they tell their stories. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, it just hit my mind differently to where I'm like, okay, that that's why I like certain movies and I don't like others yeah. where it's like, if you have a good display of the hero's journey, it's like, okay, you hit this beat, you hit this beat, maybe you get a little bit of surprise, but like the story is coherent. And if you're not working from a, a defeatist mindset and you're actually looking at the resources that you're developing. And like you said, for yourself, having the setback from college, but being able to rekindle that relationship with your mom and then having the Amway thing come up, whether it's multi-level marketing or not, it's like still the opportunity it gave you and the books and the resources she had, mm -hmm. you taking the initiative to take those things on and to say, okay, let me, let me be curious. Let me look at these things. Okay. I've been chopping it up with this person, spent more time over here, socializing over there, hanging out with the girls over there, talking to this person. But it's like, oh, okay, now this person's been in my life. I can communicate with them instead of just being like, oh, like, woes me. Like, uh, I don't have a, I don't have a dollar to my name, but I don't have to make it known. And it's yeah. like the way that I carry myself will put me in the position where I need to be come tomorrow. I think that that's something I appreciate about you. Yeah, I, you know, once again, it's about exposure, right? So the people that I was exposed to and the lessons that I learned from them allowed me to realize if it is that if it worked for them, it can work for me, right? So the greatest lesson that I want to leave to people is that the relationships you build will give you exposure. Some exposure is negative, some some exposure is positive, but the ones that are positive, you don't. So here's the thing. You don't have to go through certain experiences to learn from those experiences. Right. There are borrowed experiences. That's why books are so important. That's why that's why listening to audio is so important. That's why being around the right people is so important. Their experiences can be your experiences. You can borrow those experiences. Now, I'm not saying you fake it like like I'm not going to fake like I grew up in a in a an abandoned. Well, I lived in abandoned buildings, ate out of trash cans and was homeless like E.T. I'm not I'm not going to do that. But what I will do is I will share that story give him the credit, but, 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 but make sure I wrap around a principle that could relate. Or if I'm introducing him to an audience who's never heard of him before, like mm -hmm. that experience, like I can, I know what not to do to be homeless, to live in abandoned buildings and eat out of trash cans like ET did. Right. I could tell young people what not to do so mm -hmm. that they don't end up like that. Right. Why? Because I was exposed to somebody who not only experienced it, but learned from the experience and was able to say, this is the reason why I ended up there, right? And so mm -hmm. those shared experiences are very important. That's why relationships are key to success. Uh, that's why collaboration creates currency. And when mm -hmm. I talk about currency, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about ideas. I'm talking about information. I'm talking about relationships, resources, right? Those things are, are currency. Even when you think about currency, you think about the word that's within currency, current. But what's 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 the current, right? Water is current, right? You think about electricity as current, right? So mm -hmm. it's a flow, right? Yeah. It's a flow. And so the only way for you to create that currency is you have to have the right 
collaboration opportunities. And so I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for every experience that I've had in my life from the time that I was able to remember those experiences to now and to the ones that are to come. I like it. And fast forwarding a bit. So, and again, when, when I've heard it said, like when people say, okay, it took me eight years to get a four-year degree. It's like, initially when I would hear it from ET, what for him, it was 12 years. And I was like, are you telling me that you showed up for 12 years every time? But it's like, no, there's a break in there. And then like, when you actually come back, the process speeds up because you have clarity about Absolutely. what you're there to do and you Absolutely. get it in, you get it done and you move on to the next yeah. thing. It's not just like this. Okay. <laughs> like just go hang out forever and ever and ever, because it's like money's being spent, debts being yeah. accrued. So you yeah. don't have all the time in the world. Oh yeah. No questions about it. But um, to that point, so you graduate, was the influence for you to get your degree in, in finance? Was that from the Boy Scouts and having that that experience with the um the jewish gentleman and his wife yeah that's a good question i i wish i wish that was the case that wasn't the case mm-hmm. when i came to union the, when i signed uh the application fill out the application i put down accounting right mm-hmm. i didn't really know what i wanted to do i put down accounting because i was good with i was good with numbers mm-hmm. and i figured i you know wanted to go into business but when i got into my freshman orientation there was a gentleman named Dr. Harry Bass, who was a professor in biology, who mm-hmm. when I told him what I was uh, striving to do, he says, business is saturated. Uh, we need more blacks in the sciences. Mm-hmm. Now, because I'm a fir- I am was a first gen you know, college student, I didn't really have somebody to bounce that, that feedback off of. Mm-hmm. So I changed my major to mathematics, not knowing mm-hmm. that math, once you get to a certain level in math, you stop using numbers. There's no numbers. <laughs> There's no more numbers. I mean, we talk about numbers. No, we talk about theorems, theories. If this, then that. What? No, yeah. I'm good. So at the end of my sophomore year, I changed my major, which is which which contributed to the length of time that it was taking for me to go to school because I had to mm-hmm. take certain credits. Uh, I, w- I took education classes. I didn't change my major to business administration mm-hmm. uh, with a concentration in finance and economics. And when I left school and decided to return. The mm-hmm. credits that I had and the classes that I've taken fit the concentration that I had. I just needed to take a couple classes mm-hmm. and, and I knew I would be done in two years. As a matter of fact, when I came back, I said, I'm done in two years. I'm out. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking longer than two years. So that's what uh, that's what dictated uh, my degree. Um, you know, if I had to do it all over again, if I had to do it all over again, I would have selected marketing and psychology mm-hmm. uh, because that's ultimately the space that I'm in right now. Like everything that I do is marketing. Right. Everything I do is psychology, even down to the words that I use. So you complimented me on the, my, my wordplay. Mm-hmm. You know, I I have discovered the power of magnet language, mm-hmm. right? Magnet language, meaning you're using words that will draw people to you because they create mental pictures. Let me give an example. Mm-hmm. If I say, what comes to mind? I missed it. If I see the word, if I see the word animal, what comes to mind? Bear, lion, tiger. Okay, good. So, so I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of a different animal, right? Mm -hmm. So by using that word, we're not on the same page. Mm -hmm. But if I say the word Dalmatian, what comes to mind? What animal comes to mind? Well, there's little dogs with the spots. Yeah, with the spots on it, right? So by me changing the words and saying a word, that I know for a fact that if you know what a, a Dalmatian is, mm-hmm. you'll be able to see exactly what I'm saying. Well, that's psychology. 
right? That's psychology. So being able to use the words to create pictures, they actually allow for you to attract and draw the right people in. You know, it's important in sales. You know, when you're in sales, it's important not for you to to continue to talk, but to ask the questions that will lead to the answers. As a matter of fact, when I'm coaching my clients, one of the things that I tell them is that the answer to your question is in the question. Hmm. Right. The answer to your question is in the question. So you have to ask the right question to get the right answer. Yeah. The challenge for most people is that they just want to attempt to sell their product or service, thinking that they're going to you know, convince a person to buy and people don't love to be sold, but they, but they love to buy. They hate mm-hmm. to be sold, yeah. but they love to buy. Well, they're going to buy what, what they want, mm-hmm. right? They're going to buy what they can afford and they're going right. to buy the thing that is going to make the biggest impact on them, whether it's their health, their wealth, their, their household, their family, their livelihood, whatever. They're going to buy what they want to buy. The, the key for us as sales professionals is to determine what the person wants, mm-hmm. present them, that in the form of questions to determine if this is a good fit or a good time or a good price Mm -hmm. and to ask for the sale. And if they, if they say no, there's only three reasons why a person won't buy. And I'm doing a little coaching right now. So I hope you don't mind. Right. Yeah. My clients. Right. So there's three reasons why people don't buy. The number one reason is because you were a jerk. Mm. Right. If you don't have personal development, you don't know how to talk to people. You, you, you'd show up late. You 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 constantly cut people off, or you are dishonest. You know, nobody's gonna do business with you. You know, my wife had a terrible experience yesterday at the car dealership, uh, a, a Nissan in a Nissan dealership in Newport News. Yeah, I'm calling them out, right? Because put them on blast. <laughs> yeah, put them on blast, man. Because they they didn't they didn't handle their business properly. So my wife was like, "Good, all right, no problem." And she walked out. You know, mm-hmm. we done, right? But that's because the people were jerks, mm-hmm. right? So nobody's gonna do business with a jerk. So that's the first reason why people don't buy. The second reason why people don't buy is that is the perception that they cannot afford. Mm. Right. So so if I present a coaching package to someone, you know, before I even tell them the price, mm. I'm determining whether or not they're in a place where they can not afford it. Right. But when I tell them the price, they're either going to say, oh, I can do that or they're going to say I can't do that. Mm-hmm. But it's my job to show them how they can do that. Right now, if they if they're not willing to go that path, right, because I focus on adding value, I'm not I don't focus on price. Mm-hmm. For example, my clients that work with me, I have a 90 day coaching package and I tell them what that price is. And my goal is to help them use the coaching that I'm giving them to attract a certain number of clients that will help them not only recoup the money mm-hmm. that they've invested, but to make more of it. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I value. So I'm not afraid to tell people what my price is, but I am looking for the person that understands that it's an investment. And so it's my job that if, if it's a perception that they can't afford and they keep that as the as the stumbling block, then they won't do business. And then the third reason why people don't buy is they just don't want what you're offering. Mm. They don't have an interest in it. Like, so, for example, if you attempted to sell me fried Brussels sprouts. I don't care what you put on it. I don't care if it's barbecue sauce. It could be Chick-fil-A sauce. I don't care what you put on it. I'm not eating it and I'm definitely not buying it. So we just have to find what people want mm-hmm. at the price they can afford and not be a jerk when we promote it. And uh, and and that's and that's the that's literally the foundation for selling. And the challenge for most sales professionals is they don't talk to enough people. You know, I'm, I'm leveraging LinkedIn every single day to, to establish collaboration conversations to promote what I do, identify what they do and identify how we can collaborate. Well, those conversations lead to 
collaboration opportunities. And those collaboration opportunities lead to currency. Man, that, that's amazing. And I think because you named yourself the LinkedIn locksmith, I think you're one of the reasons why I actually paid more attention to like LinkedIn and not looked at it as like another Facebook that's trying to be professional. Because initially yeah. when I saw it, I was like, what's going on here? Like maybe some people are misusing it, but they're posting about like this, that, and the other. And I'm like, why don't you just put that on Facebook? This is supposed yeah. to be this, but it's it's kind of taken a while to try and understand what what's going on there, but also learning how to manage energy and say, okay, maybe I learn Instagram first, then I can focus on YouTube, then mm-hmm. I can focus on Facebook, or then I can focus on LinkedIn. And instead of thinking that I constantly have to change the formula, like when people say, okay, you got to get excited, let's let's be productive, let's set goals, let's do this. And like every, every day or every week we on Sundays, we have the M-Series meetup Mm-hmm. And we've been doing it, I think, over five years. And initially, when it was always like, okay, write down your goals for this. Okay, write down your goals for the quarter. Write down. And it, it kind of takes me back to the Sunday calls we had with mm-hmm. um, BU back in the day. Because I, mm-hmm. I also joined in 2016. And it mm-hmm. was that, is like this mastermind where you would come together. And the beauty of it, to your point, is asking those probing questions and asking the right questions because it's it's is a challenge when you life isn't going the way that you want it to go and you're being challenged because you can't really identify what's not working in your favor and you see other people winning and saying that they're getting things to go that the way they want it's not it's not always rosy on top or the gr- the grass isn't always greener on the other side, but it it's it's sometimes perceived to look that way because I, I found for myself I didn't have a lot of personal validation and value that I saw in me. So I, I would always look out to get it from other people. So it'd be like, okay, get advice from here, use this site, use this site, use this site. I I just started going through my bookmarks and cleaning and it's like how many different things are there for creating a podcast? And it's like, I only need one. If I'm consistent with it, if it's working, Mm -hmm. make it work. And let's not try to do everybody's strategy. But I I really like what you said with those three things where if this is your goal, here are the potential obstacles Mm -hmm. and ways that you can overcome them. Yeah. Yeah. Because we have to know the struggle, right? You know, if you're going to, if you're going to partake a project, you, 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 yeah, you know, the benefit, but you also have to know that the struggle as well. Mm. Uh, so you prepare for it. You know, ET says it's not the, it's not the, it's not the adversity that kills you. It's not the adversity that breaks you that you wasn't prepared for it. Yeah. And so we have to be prepared for it. You know, now I just want to go back. You you mentioned that I named myself the LinkedIn locksmith. I'm not that smart. Right. I didn't, <laughs> you know, like I said, it took me eight years to finish a four year degree. Right. So I'm not that smart. Uh, but thank God for the for the for the access to the Breview community because of the people I was able to connect with a gentleman named David Shands. Right. Mm. You know, I'm sure you remember David Shands. Right. Yeah, yeah. For suckers. And so I remember uh, David had a speaking engagement to a group of us in Breview and he asked the question. Uh, who 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 is your locksmith, mm. right? Who is your locksmith, right? And 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 so he was going around the room and and he was asking us, who, you know, who is your locksmith or what are you a locksmith of? And mm. I mentioned LinkedIn and he gave me that name on the spot, LinkedIn locksmith. And and but but the beautiful thing about it was the day before 
I met with him and one of his uh, teammates uh, mm-hmm. to go through strategies on how to leverage LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that experience and as a result of his talk, you know, he put that out there. He was able to put the two together. And so I took that and ran with it. David is a is a phenomenal marketer. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I said, well, listen, if he's saying it, then I'm going to say it and let's see what the world says. And so now the world says LinkedIn locksmith. And so, you know, when people, I literally have people that reach out to me and say, whenever I think about LinkedIn, I think mm-hmm. about you because you're the LinkedIn locksmith. Or whenever I think about connections, uh, I think about you, YB Connects, right? And so now mm-hmm. my desire is to brand myself that whenever someone hears currency, mm-hmm. they think about me, right? So uh, my birthday, December 16th, 2020, uh, 2022, uh, I launched my second book, Collaboration Creates Currency, The mm-hmm. Blueprint for Visibility, Credibility, and Profitability. And I did that because I knew that I wanted to get to a place where I began to transcend LinkedIn because at any at any moment in time, LinkedIn can go down. Mm-hmm. You know, Instagram has, has, has gone down a couple of times. Twitter has changed tremendously. It's no mm-hmm. longer Tweety Bird. It's an X, <laughs> right? And so, and Thread is taking its lunch, right? Mm-hmm. Thread is taking its lunch. So at any moment in time, the, the platform can go away. But my goal is to not be tied to a platform, but to be tied to a movement. And so collaboration creates currency has has evolved uh, from a book, uh, an idea to mm-hmm. a movement, right, uh, mm-hmm. where it was inspired by E.T. because of something he told us years ago that his success didn't come from the work he did alone, but from the collaborations that he established. And so, you know, I, 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 I had collaborated with another uh, BU member by the name of Darren Palmer. Uh, mm-hmm. He owns, uh, owns a company called Self Publishing Thirty Days, and uh, mm-hmm. he offered me an opportunity to become president of sales for his company, and that was a, a major collaboration. And I began to launch my own podcast series under his umbrella called YB's Collaboration Corner. Why? Mm-hmm. Because I knew I was in the process of developing a collaborative book project, and I wanted to prospect individuals who had yet to become published authors who may see this opportunity as a way for them to increase their visibility, credibility, and profitability. And so as a result, Marshall Fox became one of the first people to jump on the project. Deborah Delgado, who's a, a leadership, a, a coach, mm-hmm. uh, a, a career coach out of New York, she jumped on the project. Sherrod Ledette, who mm-hmm. wasn't in BU, but he was a part of Extreme Execution, Mm-hmm. Uh, when I had an opportunity to speak to them, he became a part of the project. And then S. Elliott Brooks III, a pastor who graduated from Oakwood, the same school that E.T. graduated from, he mm-hmm. jumped on the project. So all five of us make up the authors in Collaboration Creates Currency, where mm-hmm. we share our story and some insights on how collaboration has created currency for us. And the value for the reader is that they can take that and identify, number one, who should they collaborate with? Right. Who should who who should they connect to to create a collaboration opportunity that could lead to currency and then to help people see that currency was not just money, but it's ideas, information, relationships, uh, uh, spirit, mm-hmm. energy. Right. And so now I'm using that as the platform by which to impact uh, entrepreneurs all around the country because there's something coming. Yeah. You know, the, the economists are saying that there's something coming. You know, if we if we look at history. You know, we know 100 years ago we had the roaring 20s and then the 30s hit and and, they, and most people were destitute. Something's mm-hmm. coming. And yeah. so what I want to leave with you and your listeners is the importance of finding collaborations, right? Finding those relationships 
that will lead to currency and building them up now. Don't right. wait until you hit adversity and you want to start connecting with people. That's when you're desperate. You yeah. never want to you never want to connect with people when you're desperate. You want to connect with people when you're at a, a position of strength. Mm -hmm. And the way that you do that is by making sure that you have maximum clarity. Right. You understand who you are, what you do, why you do what you do, who you serve and what results you get for the people you serve and having that maximum clarity is critical. But mm -hmm. then you want to have confidence. Right. The ability to know that you can do what you say you can do. Right. Some people talk mess. Right. They say they can do this work, but they don't. They can't really do it. Why? Because they lack confidence and clarity. But from that confidence and clarity, you have the ability to communicate. You know, yeah. I mentioned earlier that you have, you know, the ability to, to develop a, a magnet language. Right. Where your focus is on attracting people, not just, you know, pushing people away or or, or thinking that you're going to sell people. No, you want to uh, give people something to buy through your communication. Those three things, clarity, confidence, and communication, then leads to your ability to make connections, hmm. right? You and I, right. we connected in BU years ago, and we still maintain that connection, right? right? Right, But as a result of that connection, you invited me on your podcast, and now we have a what? A collaboration opportunity, yep. right? And collaboration, like I said, doesn't always lead to money. I mean, excuse me, it doesn't mean money. Right. It doesn't like you didn't give me anything to come on your podcast. I didn't give you anything to come on your podcast, but it's creating value for both of us. Right. Mm -hmm. And so from there, we create currency. But here's the most important part of all those things is our conviction. Mm -hmm. Right. That, you know, that, you know, that, you know, that what you stand on and what you do is going to make an impact. And so we I want to get so many people to 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 take those seven C's and internalize it so mm -hmm. that they can not only make an impact in their space, but now that impact is multiplied throughout the, the state of Virginia, throughout the, the East Coast, throughout the country, throughout the world. And mm -hmm. that's why I'm saying that collaboration creates currency is a movement. That's awesome. Do you, do you have the book with you? I do, man. You know me, I, I stay ready. You know what I'm saying? What ET say, stay ready. So this is a copy of my book, Collaboration Creates Currency, The Blueprint. Like for visibility, credibility, and profitability. Those who notice the color scheme and are familiar with the divine nine, see that black and gold. Mm -hmm. So that's just a reflection of my fraternity. So everything I do is on purpose. I never do anything. Like I said, I never do anything by happenstance. So if you see my <laughs> colors here, you see the colors of my book, you can walk around and just simply ask me, are you an alpha? Mm -hmm. I said, no question. What other fraternity would I be a part of, right? So at the end of the day, you know, I, I'm very intentional once again. If I had to do it all over again to go to college, it would yeah. be psychology and marketing. Man, no love for the sciences, no love for biology. Well, here's the here's the beautiful thing about it: networking is a science. That's right? true. That's networking true. is a science. Relationship building is a science. It's an art and a science, mm -hmm. right? So you know, you know, math. Yes, you talk about STEM, right? Mm -hmm. Science, science is chemistry, right? So we have yep. personal chemistry, right? Yeah, yep. uh, technology. <laughs> we leverage LinkedIn, right? Yes, sir. Uh, engineering. We engineering opportunities for people to develop uh, financial resources and math, but we got to know how to count the money, right? So yep. STEM. <laughs> I'm in STEM, and even if you want to add steam to that, you put the art in there. Like mm -hmm. I said, the networking is an art. Yeah, and, uh, and and so yeah, I'm 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 a mad scientist at. Uh, I'm a math scientist at heart, right? I, I facilitate connections that lead to uh, individuals' desired outcomes. For sure. And definitely, I think what's beautiful about the collaboration piece is that hearing what the gentleman said, it's like you don't stay stuck on that because in collaborating, you know 
other black scientists like myself, like, yeah. like, uh, um, Nehemiah Mabry, like yeah. many, many other, like Ricky Venters. It's like, yeah. those are three engineers right there. And a gentleman yeah. that's coming up soon. Um, Chris Phelps that I met through, yeah. um, EL Butler. And yeah. just to your point, like even writing the book, like you mentioned, you brought five people together to where each person does their thing. And I yeah. think you may have done that with your first book, right? With yeah, um, my Chip. first yeah, my first book is called Speak Up, The Ultimate Guide to Dominate in the Speaking Industry. Uh, it mm -hmm. was a book that I joined. Uh, it was a collaborate another collaboration project that was put together by the Black Speakers Network. Uh, mm -hmm. Shout out to Brian J. Olds, who's the founder and, and, and chief uh a chief uh, executive officer of uh, of the Black Speakers Network. And in that book, it featured 30 other speakers, including myself uh, mm. and Les Brown, Dr. George C. Frazier. Mm. Phenomenal book is a resource for speakers who have a desire to build a speaking business. And so imagine, you know, you 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 talk about science, right? So imagine mm. you, you have this um, this box, right? Mm. And inside this box are pieces. But mm -hmm. inside the box is the manual to put the pieces together. Now, yeah. some people just start building. Yeah. That's how put pieces together. They don't even look at the manual. Well, Speak Up is the manual for speakers who want to dominate in the speaking industry. And so I'm blessed to be a part of that, that book project. Uh, my chapter uh, focuses on how speakers can enhance their network and mm -hmm. net worth using LinkedIn. And, and it's actually applicable to, to all professionals. Uh, but specifically to speakers. As a matter of fact, I'm known in these streets as the number one LinkedIn coach for speakers. And mm -hmm. so for those who have a desire to leverage the LinkedIn platform so that they can attract new speaking opportunities and build, you know, collaborative relationships that lead to currency, mm -hmm. you know, I, I make myself available. And so, yeah, those two books um, are a staple of my brand. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm looking forward to book number three, which will be a solo project and then future books from there. That's awesome. I I thought you co-authored with um, Chip Baker because I, I thought I you didn't know. I didn't. Okay. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't co-author with Chip Baker. Chip is a phenomenal guy. As a matter of fact, I remember opening several doors for Chip, you know, facilitating mm -hmm. connections for him uh, to to have guests on his podcast so that I can add value to the people in my network so they can increase mm -hmm. their visibility. So I've yet to collaborate with uh, with Chip on a book, but that might be that might be coming down the line. Got you. Uh, my mistake on that, but it's, I think he's spoken well of you and it, it's good to see that we run in, in common circles oh, in yeah. that oh, yeah. multiple, having multiple people to point to that are making impact individually in their communities and they're, they're making those connections and collaborations. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a lot easier to live in the world and to really strive to do something great because there's, a, there are plenty of examples like you can turn down the radio, you can switch off the TV and connect with actual people. Yeah. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And how can people get in touch with you given what you do, what, what you can offer it, getting a copy of your book and other things like that, that may be coming out 2023, 2024. Yeah, absolutely. The best platform is my platform, which is ybconnects.com. That's ybconnects.com, right? Some people might spell it W-H-Y-B-E-E, -E, but as you can see on my shirt, for those who are watching the video, for those who are, are listening, uh, Y, the letter Y, letter B, C-O-N-N-E-C-T-S.com. And uh, you can uh, learn uh, more about me as well as to get your copies of both books, 
uh, yeah. collaboration creates currency as well as speak up. And then obviously LinkedIn is the best platform. I love to to connect with people on via social. Uh, you can find me at Rob YB Youngblood on the LinkedIn platform. And just a quick tip. Uh, mm-hmm. For those of you who decide to use LinkedIn to connect with me, please send a personalized note uh, and let let me know that you heard me on this podcast so that I can easily accept you into my network. Uh, for some people, they just hit the follow mm-hmm. button or the connect button and don't send a personalized message. And yeah. so I, gotta, I have to vet those people. But for those yeah. people who listen and they decide to connect with me on LinkedIn, make sure you send a personalized note and let me know you heard uh, me here on this podcast. I love that. And that's another thing I learned from you. It's learning to vet people and just, and to be intentional about why somebody's connecting with you because wow. every, everybody's Facebook friends, everybody's following everybody, but it it's that if you do a self audit and you look at where your attention is and really ask, okay, how can I help you? How can we connect? I think that's a lot of my reasoning for doing the podcast is to be intentional about speaking to people and not simply having contacts in my phone that I never reach out to or never make a connection to. Yeah. We have to be very intentional. And so the fact that I'm here with you was intentional. Uh, You know, like I said, we go way back and, and this is our opportunity to to strengthen that relationship. Who knows what the future may hold for us, but Mm -hmm. I know for a fact that, that we're going to be on a, on a a trajectory to help each other increase our visibility, credibility, and profitability. So I appreciate, you know, the opportunity to be on your platform and I pray that the content that was shared will add value not only to your listeners, but to those who are going to be new uh, to your platform. So once again, I appreciate the opportunity. You're very welcome. Thank you so much. Blessings to you. Yes, sir.